0: It's quite simple, really. Just need to show you some film.
1: You mean like going to the pictures?
2: Something like that.
0: Hello, and welcome, everybody, to another fantastic and very special episode.
2: I am Mitch. This is an incredibly special episode. Oh, I'm I'm Stefan. (laughs) I guess that's important. Uh, This is Drag Mitch to Hell, the podcast where I subject poor Mitch to genre movies that I love but believe he will hate. But again, this is a special episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about our best films of 2021. But before we get to that, there's something that's extra special about this. Yes. Yovanna,
1: you're back. I'm back. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys i missed you i uh for those who don't know i had to go away for an episode or two because i had a baby
2: a very fair and reasonable reason sure we have uh, missed you missed you dearly as well
1: all i do now is hang out at home with my baby and watch tv and movies so i'm extremely ready to talk about those things What's the most
2: interesting thing that you've subjected your baby to so far? Oh,
1: uh, my seven-week-old daughter's favorite film is a little gem on uh, streaming on Netflix called Fireplace for the Home. <laughs> it's, um, it's a fireplace, and it's for your home, and she loves it. It makes her eyes glaze over in great pleasure and confusion and delight, so I can strongly recommend uh, that masterpiece from her
2: it sure beats some of the other programming i've seen for children <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i won't get into it anyways uh, i'm so happy uh you're here because when i start when we started this podcast there's only two people that i want to do it with and it's both of you and i'm happy we're all here together to discuss
1: you get out of here you stop, <laughs> yeah. you stop it yeah
2: stop it. we're getting maudlin here guys love it <laughs> all right cool um so uh, I guess it's important to state that we're doing this a little bit different than last year. Uh so last year we did our top 5 films of 2020. This year uh Mitch uh Credit where it's due had the idea to just do several categories because um I honestly feel so off mic Mitch said that he watched 60 movies from 2021, which I feel is like a good barometer for the success of the year and you could Damn. designate five films from that year. I have not. So uh, I, I I feel like you should actually have a top five, Mitch.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, every year I make a, a top 10 list anyway, but I just thought that this would be a, a different way to do it and would allow us to talk about sort of a variety of films and sort of things that not just sort of, you know, five through one of our favorite films of the year, but what was a surprising movie or a disappointing movie Something like a hidden gem that, you know, maybe wouldn't have cracked your top five, but something you want to talk about and let people know about that they should watch.
2: I appreciate this because I haven't seen a lot that I've been excited about from this year. Uh, Yovanna, how, how how do you feel about this year so
1: far? I also didn't see as much as I wanted to see I mean partly it was the fact that we didn't go to the cinema a lot due to COVID and sometimes things you know that I'm inclined to see in the cinema I end up not catching at home either because it's not streaming or because it's not as interesting on the smaller screen so I missed out on a bunch of stuff for that reason I also near <laughs> for like the second half of my pregnancy I was really tired and mentally foggy so I couldn't watch anything challenging so I was just watching like I for, for for example, one of the things I'm really embarrassed about that we'll get into is that I haven't seen almost any non-English language films this year, and that's embarrassing because I know there's a ton of incredible stuff out there, and it's on my to see list. But um, yeah, I think just like the extra mental work of reading subtitles while I was exhausted and, and pregnant was like too much for me to handle. Um, so I mostly watched English language stuff. Nothing too challenging or art housey or or, or intellectual. I hate to say, but you know what, that's what I did. So we're just going to talk about what, what we liked or, or didn't like from what we saw. And that's Respect.
2: that. If you're ever looking for something that you can just like drift through, like the mm, ether. Always. Grey's Anatomy.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> you're such a Grey's Anatomy stan.
2: Wait, are we going to get to that for your favorite TV show of the year? Oh my God. I, I, was, I need to get back into it. I apologize. I don't even know why I brought it up. I want to name a category after Grey's Anatomy, but then I realized it wasn't really emblematic of her podcast. So it wouldn't have been fair. But uh, anyways, should we get into this, guys? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So our first category, in honor of Videodrome, we're now moving on to the Brian Oblivion Award for Best Television Series. This could be limited or otherwise. Uh, Or if you'd prefer the Meredith Gray Award for Outstanding Television Program, (laughs) I guess, (laughs) whatever. Uh, Yovanna, what have you watched uh, for television that has caught your eye?
1: Well, let me just tell you quick, I'll give you my top three that I was deciding between for this category. They were White Lotus, Succession, and Ted Lasso. And what I ended up deciding on for my favorite TV show of the year is, drumroll, The White (laughs) Lotus. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know if anybody else saw it or liked it. I feel like we discussed it, but I can't recall now. It's just like such a incisive and brutal and smart and hilarious takedown of friggin' white people. <laughs> like the, <laughs> is the worst. We're so, um, <laughs> just like really kind of privileged, uh, rich, uh, out of touch, um, narcissistic white people who are at this resort in hawaii and it's a series created written and uh, directed by mike white who's a really clever guy i think he has a lot of weird interesting stuff up his sleeve it has connie Britton in it and steve zahn anyone who's a steve zahn stan out there oh yeah joy steve ride. Zahn. Whoop! yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so I really liked White Lotus. Um, and, you know, succession's kind of an obvious one, because everybody loves it. But the thing I'll say about uh, my third choice here, Ted Lasso, is that in any other time or year, Ted Lasso would just be a cute, charming, entertaining, heartwarming show. But I think in its current historical context, where... things are things are dark guys come on let's be real let's be real we're in the darkest (laughs) timeline we're in the darkest timeline not just covid but there's so much um polarization politically and people are so cynical and so hard on each other and so divided with good reason too um ted lasso is just like a little candy for (laughs) for a time when everything tastes like dirt um so so i really i really admire that about it but yeah white lotus takes my 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 favorite tv show award what about you guys
0: oh i want to chime in with a a fun fact about the white lotus creator mike white uh who he was on a season of survivor uh if you are a fan of survivor i don't know if you are uh, but when you mentioned the name, I was like, was this guy on Survivor? And he definitely was. And he was uh, enjoyable on the show. But I haven't that gotten to the White Girl. Lotus. You mentioned uh, it a while back, uh, and Stefan told the story about the, uh, the, the pooping. Uh, that oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was
2: scarring. But,
0: uh, I haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, I will absolutely be you know, watching it very soon. So thank you for that uh, pick. And, yes, Ted Lasso, a great ray of sunshine in an otherwise yeah. dark.
2: Yeah, uh, my partner watched White Lotus and loves it. Uh, your dear friend Anna. Um, oh yeah. I so I started Ted Laston and, and this is at Mitch's initial recommendation, and I was like, this is a, a an obnoxious experience. And I was like, how can we have a show where this person is essentially one note all the way through, and then he becomes like more developed? But at that yeah. point, I was like so invested in the character. I love the show. I think it's great now. Uh, I'm in, I'm watching the second season right now, and we're at the point where. Um I haven't watched it,
0: Stefan. I haven't watched season two. Okay.
2: Okay. So I won't I won't say anything. Um I will say that the second second season I think is actually very, very good and much better because they have further developed that character that is the the bright uh uh, you know, ray of sunshine that you've been had. Bright eyed and
1: bushy tailed is how I would describe Ted Lasso. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that's how he would also describe himself. So that's like <laughs> yeah, an yeah. apt description. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Ted Lasso, great. Uh, why don't we move on to Mitch? What's your what your favorite television show
0: from yes. 2021? So, so, my Brian Oblivion Award, uh, we'll start with my honorable mention, which was a recommendation from you, Stefan, uh, which was Midnight Mass, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, nice. that's a very, you know, sort of slow build sort of mystery that's going on, but I really liked that the atmosphere and this like small sort of fishing town. Um, and then just sort of, as it goes on, it gets progressively more kind of crazy. Um, and I think, uh, Hamish Linklater who plays the, the Reverend is amazing in it. Uh, so that's my honorable mention. I uh, was very happy with that show. It was tough, tough deciding this, but, uh, the, Best television series for me this year was honestly just the one that I had the most fun watching, or at least was the most entertaining and most binge-worthy for me, which was uh, maybe not surprising to the masses, Squid Game. Uh, I
2: still have not watched a single episode, I'll let you know.
1: Me neither. But, you know, I have this weird feeling like it wouldn't appeal to me, but those kinds of feelings are often proven wrong. So I'm listening. Tell us. Yeah, me
0: too. So I think we talked about it a little bit before, but I think it's just one. I wanted to watch it just to avoid the spoilers I knew would be coming because it was such like a sort of cultural phenomenon where everybody was watching it and it was all over Instagram and Facebook. And so I just wanted to watch it as quickly as possible so that I wouldn't be spoiled with anything. Um, but there's just something like fascinating, it's watchable about it. Like I said, it's you know maybe not the the deepest or most thought provoking, but it's just pure entertainment. It's just people in a sort of battle royale slash Hunger Games environment. Um, but they, you know, they want to be there because there's money on the line, um, and they're just playing these schoolyard games and various things. And you get to know the the characters as it goes along and the people you're rooting for and the people you're rooting against and every time an episode finished I just wanted to to move on to the next one to see okay what's the next game going to be or what's going to happen how many people are going to get eliminated and you know no like not knowing what the games were and all these different things so there's a lot you know of different things that just made it for for really compelling television and like I said just entertaining that's pretty much the the bottom line for for Squid Game was uh, every episode, it was never dull. I was always glued to the screen and wanted to keep going uh, until the very end. So, Squid Game for me was my favorite show of the year. Like I said, not necessarily the most thought provoking uh, in that regard, but just entertainment value,
2: binge value. Nice. Squid Game. Thumbs up. I will commit to watching this. so Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm down.
1: I it's hereby sh- swear on my mother's grave
2: <laughs> here on this podcast. <laughs> to watch this show all right i'll I'll, uh, bring up the rear uh so i had three shows to pick from that i was excited about uh the first is uh mayor of east town which i enjoyed immensely uh the final scene notwithstanding which i thought was obnoxious uh which you know uh, at this point enough time has passed but the character of mayor uh who uh, is dealing with the grief of her uh over the death over the Goes up to the attic where he had committed suicide and has this moment of just like, you know, at least like going back into the area of, of where he had committed suicide. And it felt like very, very hammy and unearned and just like it undercut all of the previous events of the episode. Uh, I didn't really like it. Um, but otherwise, a great television show that I enjoyed watching. Week after week, and and made me it gave me something to look forward to when we're you know going through the throes of the the previous wave, I believe. <laughs> yeah, whichever COVID.
0: wave that was.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two uh, is Midnight Mass, which I won't uh, you know belabor the point. Great television show. I loved it so much. Uh, the the third is Yellow Jackets, uh, which is a great show about a. Um, an all-female uh, high school soccer team going to nationals and their plane crashes in the Ontario wilderness. Uh, and uh, it, it could be reductively referred to as like an all-female pretty much Lord of the Flies, which I think is, uh, would be a, a stupid way to describe it uh, because it does deal with their they the the modern times consequences of their actions and it's it's a very very interesting combination of you know i previously described it as like a neo-noir meets like a horror television show uh slammed together uh all three of these i love immensely and i didn't know which to pick i would easily just give it to every show that i just mentioned but i think i'm giving it to midnight mass because it made me feel things guys
1: nice Okay, yes. that really further moves Midnight Mass even higher up on my list uh, between the two of you guys recommending it. So thank you. Yeah,
2: I would say it it, uh, it has a lot of monologues and a lot of like annoying people are like, there's too many monologues. <laughs> like it's like a bad way to like write a show. I disagree. I think there's like a lot of people, a lot of different characters that are working through their own things. And they just kind of like talk for extended periods of time uh, in their own like specific styles of language to describe how they're going through life i think it's just great it's it's an enjoyable show it it is sad uh and it can be frustrating because of some of the characters but it is such a rewarding experience and it made me excited about watching a television show so that's midnight mass all right i will i will move us along politely uh we now have the angus the dog hashtag dropped or thrown uh, award for Best Hidden Gem of 2021. Uh, Wait, Angus, who's
1: Angus the dog?
2: Oh, Angus the dog. From the gate is, is the dog from the gate. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Which, which Mish thought Damn. was thrown, and I thought was uh politely dropped when revealed that it was dead. Great episode. Check it out, guys. Check oh it out. Oh my god. uh yo, man. <laughs>
1: Sorry, what's this category for again?
0: <laughs> how does you this relate to being thinking a about gem. Angus the dog?
1: Hidden gem, okay. yeah. All right. Um so I don't know I had trouble with this cuz I was like how hidden does this hidden gem have to be like what if I think it's hidden because I'm totally out of the loop with a newborn baby and you guys mm. don't think it's hidden and it's like super popular and everyone no. loves it? All right. Well, my hidden gem is Shiva baby. Did either of you see Shiva baby? No. I didn't. Oh, have I you heard before. about it? Yeah, it's great. I think it's on Crave right now, or possibly on Canopy, which you can get with your library card, plug for taxpayer-supported library system. Um, Shiva Baby is uh, kind of, sort of, I guess what you might call a bottle episode, in that it takes place in one location for the whole movie. That's Am I using bottle episode correctly there? Yeah, or, or contained. Uh, it's a contained film. Yeah. It takes place at a Shiva. Um, and it's about a young woman who's struggling with her affair with a married man and her parents putting pressure on her and she just feels really stifled and she feels constantly uh, examined and uh, judged and uh, she's got a lesbian affair in her past that's really controversial that her parents disapprove of but it all takes place in this one home and kind of meanders through the rooms with with a camera following her around the lead actress whose name is Emma something gosh I hope I didn't get that wrong, Sorry. Sorry to you, whoever you are, um, is really, really good. Yeah, I think her name's Emma Seligman. She's really, really good. Um, And I just love the way that it kind of slowly builds from just like a random wandering around the rooms talking to people to like panic and dread and suspense and like controversy and tension like it really builds a mood where you're kind of like white knuckling it near the end a little (laughs) bit um and it's also really funny it's not a comedy but it's got uh, a bunch of hilarious bits in it I will say so uh yeah props to Shiva Baby I can't recall the name of the filmmaker a young woman I believe Rachel maybe something sorry I should have looked up these people's names it's terrible I've got it up now Hey. shiva baby is my hidden gem it's also got that actor <laughs> who i also didn't look up the name of but he. Are you um, me? i know i'm the worst he plays bruce ben baccarat in lady dynamite maria bamford's agent oh
2: yeah, yeah
1: yeah. um anyway i love him he's also in um, uh, a serious man the coen brothers film anyway he's terrific so highly recommend shiva baby if you haven't seen it it's uh it's my hidden gem of the year.
2: i've craved and I want to watch a movie, so I'll give it a try.
1: <laughs> and I will also say it's one of those like tight 90 minute, like, you know, I'm nice. against like three hour long oh, yeah. films. So well, I can't remember the exact running time, but I remember it being re- reasonable. Let's say, let's call it reasonable. Huge
2: hell yeah to an hour and a half, guys. All right, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll definitely watch that. Mitch. And
0: I think that's a an appropriate okay, choice for a, a hidden gem. I think most people okay. probably haven't heard or of this movie or seen it so i think it's a great choice
1: thank you for yeah. validating my interpretation old, of the word one hearing. hour
0: and 18 minutes that's a great runtime yeah. that's yeah, amazing
1: especially for a film that whose narrative takes place in one location you can't you know i mean you could but let's let's be reasonable here 118
2: yeah, yeah. It's important to say that this isn't like an edgelord kind of category where it's like, I know this movie that you haven't watched. <laughs> it's more of like, here's a movie that maybe didn't get the attention it deserved. You feel that it deserved and you're giving it to that yes, film. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Mitch, please so bring up, us to your edgelord uh,
0: pick. My edgelord, my Angus the edgelord uh, <laughs> pick. So first, I'll start with my honorable mention, uh, which is a film I had heard about a couple of years ago. Uh, because it's actually directed by a, a friend of a friend of mine uh, who went to USC film school with this guy. That's a movie called Nine Days. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you have, have heard of it. Oh, I've heard about it. I have not. It's uh, it's directed by a gentleman named Edson Oda, who was a classmate of uh, a friend of mine. Uh, but it stars Winston Duke and, and Zazie Beats. Tony Hale is in it. Um, a few other people as well. But it's a, I'd say a very original and sort of unique film. It's not like a something that you've seen before. It's I don't want to give too much away about it because there's sort of a, a little bit of a, a mystery element to it. Um, but essentially, it follows Winston Duke's character is is interviewing almost a bunch of different people for the chance to be born. Essentially, Hello. Uh is. Is kind of the the idea here. So there's a series of you know, questions and things, and if you make it through the whole process, it's nine days, which is where the the title comes from. Um, but it's I don't want to say life affirming, but but almost in that way. It's very much about life and and death and what it means to make connections with people, um, and so it's. This is my honorable mention, so I don't want to get too much into it, and I don't want to spoil too much about the movie. Sounds great, though. Uh, but Seek It Out. Like I said, it's a it's a very unique uh, sort of viewing experience, and there's some really like, beautiful scenes in it. Um, it's worth watching, uh, so check it out if you can. But my winner for the, the Angus the Dog Award <laughs> um, is a movie I just watched yesterday and fell in love with almost immediately called Zola. I don't know oh, if you have yeah. seen it. Did you watch I it? I loved
1: Zola, yeah.
0: Yes, this movie I knew very little about, um, and I'm happy that I did, but it's a movie that's based on a Twitter thread, essentially. Um the, the main character posted like 148-something tweets to tell this true story, and then Rolling Stone did an article on it, and then the movie is based on that. But it's a, a wild, true story um, following this woman who meets, uh, essentially another stripper at a, you know, at work at a restaurant and gets invited to go to Tampa to go to a club and make a whole bunch of money. Uh, but it's, it's like the, a sort of road movie where everything starts turning sideways. Um, the cast is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's another one of those tight, uh, 90 minutes. I think it's like an hour, 26 minutes, something like that. Um, but just, it's like a, you know, dark comedy. It has everything that I love in a movie. Soundtrack is great. Great acting. Um, particularly the, the leads, uh, Taylor page is the one who plays Zola, who's sort of worth seeing the story from her perspective. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure, like I said, don't want to get too much into it, but the story is wild. Uh, it's, it moves at a, a fantastic pace. And you sort of never quite know exactly where this story is going to go. And even, like, I didn't read the article after it, having watched it. But even if, you know, a quarter of what happens in this movie is true, it's just insane. Um, but really great movie, I'm, worth watching for anyone. I'm who really watches.
1: glad you brought that up because I also really liked it. And I couldn't quite figure out a way to fit it into our our categories for this this podcast. But um, I also really enjoyed it. And Stefan, if you, have you seen it?
2: No, I, the fact that it's based on a Twitter thread blows my mind. Yeah, it's like <laughs> wild. <a film. laughs>
1: I will say that it does feature a performance uh, by Stefan's fave, Greg from Succession. Cousin oh. Greg is <laughs> in Soba. Yeah. I know he has a real name. I believe it's Nicholas Braun, but I prefer it's to call Greg. him Cousin Greg. Greg. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's terrific in it. And, you know, I will just echo what Mitch said, which is while I was watching this movie, I was like, do we not have fun anymore at the movies? Are we not having fun? Like it's fun. It's a fun movie. Absolutely. It's dark. It's dark. It's depressing. It's got some violence and shit in it. But like, are we no longer having fun at the movies? So Zola's, I think Zola's having fun and it's a fun movie.
2: I, I agree. 100%. I want to, you know, uh, and it's sad because we didn't get to watch it because, on uh, Ontario in Ontario theaters are closed, but you know, Scream. When, when they visualize a theater experience in the movie, like when they're dramatizing Stab uh, in the theater for Scream 2, it's like such a party. Like, I want the party, yeah. guys. I just want the party. Yeah, there
1: is there is something lost in not going to the cinema, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's a bummer. I Like, I remember seeing... This is a, a terrible movie, but the crowd was so wild that I was having a blast. It was Punisher Warzone, <laughs> and like the crowd was like going wild it's like there's like a, a parkour guy gets bazooka and the crowd was like erupting in laughter and hollering and, and it was just like a great experience that you know the movie's dog shit but i had a great time <laughs> anyways uh this is where we got to Punisher Warzone. war zone uh all right so i'll get to my pick for uh mr angus the dog award for best hidden gem uh and i'm awarding it to in the earth which is Ben Wheatley's newest movie. Uh, this is casted in this is Joel Fry, uh, Reese Shearsmith, and Haley Squires. Uh, the premise for this movie uh, is a character Martin Lowry, who's you know played by Joel Fry, is set on an, a scientific expedition into a cordoned off forest to meet with his ex lover, who is studying the symbiotic relationship between fungi and plants, which she's found that this relationship can be exploited to increase crop yields. Uh, All this sounds bananas stupid, I'm sure, but it's so fucking good and it's a great horror movie. It's one of the few movies that acknowledges COVID and and doesn't like, it just moves past it. So it does exist with it. Like like there is a pandemic occurring and then they just move past it. And uh, the music in it, which is done by Clint Mansell is fantastic um and there's a scene where one character is playing a synthesizer in the woods and her audience is the forest and if that doesn't sound like a movie you want to (laughs) watch then i don't know like what you'd enjoy it's just so (laughs) good Um, i love
1: how you impose tastes on random others that (laughs) are hypothetical viewers i appreciate that about you Stefan.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. I do have to say, if if you don't enjoy Ben Wheatley's movies, you probably won't like this. This kind of exists. Uh I would say this is one of his best films that I put it on like kill list slash a field in England territory. And I, I think this movie's kind of like both of those movies slammed together a little bit, I would say, uh, in terms of tone. It's it's wild, it's like a hallucinatory like voyage into the forest. Uh, I love folk horror personally. Um, yeah, it's just a, a great experience and I, I loved watching it. Uh, I, 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 I oftentimes listen to the wild synth synth music, uh, that occurs within the me, the movie just because that's how much I enjoy it. And I just had a, a great time. And it's one of the the few movies that I've seen this year that are just like, I, I, if I could watch this, like once a year, I'll, I'll be content.
1: Um,
2: I, it just made me excited. So that's, well, that's, that's a good
1: hidden gem because right. I hadn't heard about it. So thank you for bringing it to our attention.
2: Yeah. Uh, I like Again, with the caveat, if you don't like Ben Wheatley, just don't don't even bother. <laughs> move past I've, it. But.
0: I've only seen Kill List and I'm sort of okay on it. So I'm definitely going to give this a watch. Um, but I'm curious to see how I feel about it based on what yeah, you said be, about Ben Wheatley.
2: I'd be curious. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we move on, guys? sure all right uh in honor of our first episode on split second uh we now have the dick durkin award for most surprising film of 2021 <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dick Durkin. <laughs> he had to appear at some point during this yeah it's a great name uh great movie great character uh mm-hmm. it's named because his character has such an abrupt shift in character uh that it is wildly surprising um so with that said Yovanna, what is your most surprising film from last year?
1: Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I'll i start with my runner-up and then give you my final winner. My runner-up is The Card Counter by Paul Schrader. Now, in some ways, it's not very surprising because it's a very Paul Schrader film. If you've seen First Reformed, which we've talked about, Stefan, you and I like it a lot. And I think we've mentioned it a few times. Also, it's got Oscar Isaac in it. So how can you go wrong? He's literally incapable of doing anything wrong or bad ever in my eyes. Um, The reason I found it surprising is because, you know, I don't think this is a a huge spoiler, but it's got like an Abu Ghraib backstory. Did did either of you see the card counter?
2: No, so it's on my list to watch.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything. It's just something that wasn't included in the trailer, I think. Um, But if you read reviews or critical writing about it, they will mention it. So it's not, it's not a big, it's not a big reveal in the film. And I won't tell you much about what happens there, but basically it's advertised as a film about a guy who goes to casinos and counts cards, obviously Oscar Isaac. Uh, But yeah, uh, prison, uh, war prison torture scene backstory, specifically Abu Ghraib the American prison in the middle East where there was some horrendous events. So there you go. It just kind of, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It hits you with that.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I, I knew yeah. nothing about that backstory going into it either. And like you said, Oscar Isaac is fantastic in the movie as well. Uh, but I think that the, the Abu Ghraib stuff, it's, it's jarring in the movie and I won't touch on it too much either, but I think that the Paul Schrader does a really great job of the, I'll say the aesthetics of those scenes compared to the rest of the movie. I think it's, it really works for what he's trying to, to do or what they're trying to show in those scenes. It's just, you know, it's not pretty in, more ways than one but i'll leave it at that yeah
1: but it really comes out of nowhere so i thought that was quite surprising and and a good film but that's really my runner up my final most surprising film that Stefan, you and i watched sort of together virtually is barb and star go to vista del mar i didn't get to
0: this one i'm disappointed
1: (laughs) it's so fun like speaking of zola and having fun you want to have fun you want to have a good time at the movies you hang out with barb and star for a couple hours um and i and Stefan's partner anna watched it together but virtually due to COVID. So we like put on our webcams and then we would like face our TV screens and watch the film, but then turn our heads to the webcams and talk to each other on Zoom during the film. It was kind of awesome. Kind of fun. But yeah, I mean I think the way it's marketed is that it's kind of like this silly, you know, obviously Kristen Wiggs in it and we always associate we we associate her with, with SNL and sketch comedy. And these two middle-aged cheesy ladies that wear culottes, high-waisted culottes and chunky seashell-shaped jewelry uh, and visors, they go to this, like, vacation resort just trying to have a nice time. And it really descends into, like, adventure and a heartwarming love affair and also some, like, weird-ass shit. Um, So it really, I think it takes the concept of just, like, a sort of fun loving snl sketch comedy buddy comedy model and really goes to some unexpected places with it and i i laughed i laughed and i also found myself touched by some of the uh heartwarming storylines about friendship about love and and all of the deeper things in life so that's my that's my vote for most surprising barb and star go to vista del mar there's a lot of wicker furniture so much wicked furniture <laughs> and all the co- the color palette is all these like resort cheesy pastels like it's great it, the costumes the yeah the aesthetics are just incredible um and it's just a really fun movie with with kind of a bit of a depth and and cleverness that you might not expect from something I, like that
2: i enjoyed it immensely
1: great me too
2: yeah uh mitch
0: sorry had, had you seen this i can't remember sadly no i have not seen uh I didn't get to, it, but it's I'm I'm bumping it up to the top of the list for for my next viewing.
2: Amazing. Uh, so I guess uh, to transition, what is your most surprising movie of 2021?
0: Yeah, I'll start uh, once again with my honorable mention. Uh, sorry, my Dick Durkin uh, honorable mention, um, which was the the Green Knight. Um, the uh, was it David Lowry? Is that who? The yeah, that, that's his name. Yeah. Um, uh, Dev Patel starring movie based on uh, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, which I had read in university and didn't remember a, a ton of it. Um, but I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie, and I wasn't expecting it to be a, a bad movie uh, by any means. Um, but it looked like it was sort of a you know, it was, it's a lot more fantastical, I think, than, than maybe the the original story is. I could be getting that wrong. Um, and from having done this podcast for a while now, I think you, you know, that certain, you know, sort of abstract things or or bizarre things are not always necessarily my speed. And there's, there's, you know, a a decent amount of that in this movie. Uh, I mean, the, the knight himself, the green knight is, uh, I mean, I don't want to say he's a tree, but like, he's not a human person. (laughs) Gotcha. Noted. Um. But uh, yeah, so there's some weird stuff, but I, I really enjoyed the movie. I think that the, the changes from the original text really work, like I said, to make it a little more fantastical. It's a, sort of this great, almost epic adventure, especially with the way that it's filmed. Uh, it looks beautiful to watch. Uh, performances are great. Uh, and yeah, the, that's my honorable mention, that David Lowry's The Green Knight, like I said, I, I wasn't expecting to to like it as
1: much as I did, but I thought it was an excellent movie. Can I get a hell yeah, guys? <laughs> I actually didn't see it, but I'm moving it up to the top of my list now because uh, Mitch's recommendations are are super solid. Perfect. Can I
0: still get this is, a hell yeah? No. This... Hell, hell yeah. yeah! Hell yeah!
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on.
0: not. It's not a tight ninety. Uh, sadly, it's probably two twenty.
1: Um, yeah, so that's I'll okay. I away. can I can invest.
0: Uh, but my my winner for this award is actually longer, um, and it's Ridley Scott's *The Last Duel*. Fuck mm. yes, mm. <laughs> mm. fuck yes, guys. That's also mine. Gonna... Amazing. So this right. movie, I think, is pretty fucking badass uh, in a lot of ways. Um, it's amazing. I, the The structure is great, um, you know, in itself, uh, but it's got a, a great balance of you know some sort of action sequences and really thrilling stuff. Particularly the the, the duel at the end, uh, it was amazing stuff. But just the way that the story is told in sort of three separate pieces, which is you know the, the three different perspectives. So I guess if you're not super familiar with the movie, it's um, what is it 1300s France, um, and there is to sort of dumb it down and sum it up a little bit. Um, there's One character played by Jodie Comer, who's fantastic, um, accuses uh, another of of rape, and it's Matt Damon who plays her husband, and the other person is Adam Driver. And so you sort of see the story from all three different perspectives. So you build up, you know, first you get Matt Damon, and then, you know, it keeps going, and then you forget the ultimate climax of, you know, sort of what happens at the end with this duel. But the performances are great. Um, even with that lengthy runtime, like there, I was never bored once in, in this movie. It's it's really compelling stuff. I think there's a lot of, you know, comparisons or sort of like basically still things that are problems now, uh, regarding the, the rape and how the, the treatment of, you know, women accusing, you know, these white dudes of, you know, of these heinous crimes. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and then, you know, for anybody who's just, you know, wants some some action and stuff, there's some really great thrilling battles or sort of sequences and stuff that doesn't overrun the movie. But I was surprised because the reviews weren't overly great. They were sort of lukewarm uh, and watching the trailers for the movie. I was like, man, like Affleck and, and Damon really are just like dressing up in their goofy facial hair and <laughs> haircuts and like. Uh, I, I, it was hard for me to take them seriously Watching the trailer And I thought the movie would be difficult as well But I actually really like both of them in the movie I think that they work in what they're doing Even if sometimes the accent sort of comes and goes I think they're still both great uh, in the movie
2: And I've, I've talked enough I want to hear you guys talk about it This movie is <laughs> surprisingly funny I have to say <laughs> uh, Yes So this is also my pick uh, So he, it's surprising for three reasons The first is Ridley Scott directed this. I don't think I've really, really enjoyed a Ridley Scott movie since Alien, which is like (laughs) the 70s guys. So this old person who I don't care about whatsoever, and he's largely annoying nowadays because it's like you have new people trying to make Alien movies. And he's like, oh, it's not very, it's not going to be good. This guy directed Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which are two fucking obnoxious, terrible movies. Yeah. Uh, and him trying to have opinions on it sounds bananas, but so he directed this movie, which is automatically a a hurdle for it to overcome for me as a viewer. Uh, the second is it's a period piece, which I'm not the, I don't gravitate towards those movies typically. Um, so that's another hurdle for it to overcome. And the third is the fact that you've already talked about it, but this is a movie with multiple vantage points, which I think usually nets diminishing returns as a viewer. Uh, like, uh, you know, Rashomon's a movie that famously has multiple vantage, vantage points that I will take the opinion that it, I don't enjoy it as much as uh, uh, other Kurosawa movies. Um, yeah, I don't. it's a weird... I don't understand why that's the movie that people want to, like... Uh, You know signpost For Akira Kurosawa but Anyways that's not what we're talking about Uh, So it has all those Three hurdles and this movie just doesn't Just jump over them it like Fucking explodes from the earth And goes way above all of the hurdles Into the atmosphere uh, And finds itself somewhere else entirely And I loved it so much Uh, Ben Affleck's Dumb blonde hair Great (laughs) It just um, works so
0: well for the character he's playing. I don't know. Like, all right. really
2: I guess to give the movie a little bit of additional context. So Matt Damon plays Sir Jean de crouge uh, a, a fucking kind of uh, uh, basically a warmonger. He just like goes to fight for the king and then gets his money afterwards. And he's like, that, that that's his life. So that's the, he has this image of himself. We have these multiple vantage points. We have this image of Matt Damon as a warrior going through battle. And then we have Adam Driver who plays Jacques, uh, Jacques Legris, I think. Jacques Legris. Uh, who recounts Matt Damon as being like an idiot who just like doesn't follow orders and just charges into battle, giving away (laughs) his position in battle. (laughs) So you have like, there's like a good comedy between the, the various positions then you obviously have uh, Matt Damon's character's wife, Sergeant de Grouge's, uh partner, who is uh, Marguerite de Carrouge And basically, after he goes to battle, uh, we have Adam Driver's character come by, and then he he rapes Marguerite de Crouge. Uh What this movie does that's interesting is uh, the rape. So uh, the, the, the 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 all the scenes have various opinions that show different context for each scene but the rape is largely the same and then the rationale for the rape uh is is what changes which is i think what is the most interesting thing about this movie um i don't know how you guys feel about that but basically like like because marguerite uh de carouge has previously said that she finds adam driver's jacques de gris like attractive that's that's a reason for why he can come over and assault her uh and, and the scene doesn't change whatsoever it's just like the the his arguing context that changes from uh matt damon's characters i i this movie is so good I, it's I, so
1: good i i
2: i i was so surprised it's so good it's yeah. so good
1: um, I think when you, I also loved it, clearly, when you tell a story from multiple people's perspectives, such as this film does, what you're really doing is you're crafting a portrait of people's characters, of their personalities, of their viewpoints and their ideologies and their psychologies right so so it's a really compelling narrative like it's a real nail biter and you're always like what's the truth gonna be revealed and what's the secret and what's the twist so it's got that kind of like kn- nail biting element that great films have but what it also has is like uh, you find yourself thinking about each character long after the film and going what is with that guy or what is up with that guy? You know, like, so the Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, Matt Damon characters, I've personally found myself thinking about each of the characters long after I saw the movie, and discovering new angles to their psyche and kind of thinking back and going like, oh, that's why he delivered that line with that particular intonation, because he's that kind of guy or whatever, right? Like, I don't know. I thought that was the most brilliant thing about it is, is it brought those characters into life in a way that was, that's really hard to do, I think, for just like a pretty conventional narrative, uh, medieval Hollywood, big budget action, you know, costume drama, right? Like it's not, it's not doing anything avant-garde. But yeah, it's bringing these characters to life in like a really compelling way I found Um, and looks amazing and has really cool action scenes is extremely violent for anyone who is listening and interested in watching it. I don't know if that's a selling point or a deterrent for you, but it's a selling um, point for me. Yeah, it is uh, super violent. Um, But yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really smart and brilliant and exciting and looked super cool. So high marks and five stars for the last duel i Ooh. actually have it i had it as a runner-up on my on one of my favorites of the year for best movie i didn't pick it but um it's definitely in my top five of this year for sure
2: yeah i did not expect yeah. to like this movie at all um, me neither
1: i didn't expect to like it and here we are here yeah. we are today stefan liking it
2: <laughs> we've made it guys <laughs> i i have one final thing to say uh, Mitch, you had mentioned that the casting of uh, Timothy Chalamet as a minor role in don't look up uh, bothered you. I love that Ben Affleck was cast in this minor role where he's like friends with Adam Driver and shits on Matt David. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. This is, yeah, this is think- my example of it done uh, a-, a plum. Like it's, it's so good.
0: Yeah. I no. I uh, I agree a thousand percent. And like I said, going into it, I was like, oh man, like Affleck. Cause he's a co-writer on the movie, like just throwing himself into like, you know, playing dress up uh, with this goofy hair and, <laughs> and facial hair. And I thought it was going to be dumb, uh, but the opposite. I, I loved it. I loved him in this movie. I think that, uh, I think it was great. Yeah.
2: All right, cool. I, we've talked enough about uh, our, the Dick Durkin award. I think it's time <laughs> we move on to something that, uh, you know, uh, it comes from Cherry Falls guys. Uh, and especially the class dismissed award. Oh, it's a class dismissed award. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is, obviously harkens to uh Mr. J Moore. Uh and I'm excited to unveil the J Moore Please Award for Best Performance. Uh All let's you, yes. I'm excited. Yvanna. what's what's your favorite performance from this year?
1: My f- best performance award this year goes to Kristen Stewart and Spencer. <sighs> And uh, the reason for that is that I have to be perfectly honest and tell you that I am a bit of a Kristen Stewart hater. Like, I'm just not really a fan. I'm aware that she is a technically accomplished actor because I've seen her in a few things and I've been like, okay, good job. Um, But I really don't like the kind of um, too cool for school portrait that she presents. Like, I think that she... Um, often seems like she, uh, is flippant and, uh, too good for, I don't know, popular culture or something. So to the extent that we can even criticize an actor for their actual personality rather than, you know, their work. Um, I just really, just really don't like Kristen Stewart. <laughs> um, and you know, even though I, I, people say she's a technically accomplished actor, I had never seen her in anything that really blew me away. I saw her in stuff where I was like, okay, she got really big accolades a few years ago for personal shopper, which I thought was just okay. I was like, sure, I can see it. I can see why people find value in this and find talent in this, but just didn't strike a chord with me. Um, but I think playing uh, princess Diana in Spencer, which also is quite a good film. It's not one of my top ones, but I thought it was pretty nice. I thought it was lyrical and and um, beautiful and imaginative and unique in some ways. She friggin nails it. And not just in a mimetic way, like not just in a, oh, I can do a good impersonation of Princess Diana. Because when you have a historical figure that everybody's familiar with, sometimes actors will just be like, oh, I'm really good at impersonations. Like, okay, great. Good for you. You've got the tone down. You've got the eyes down. You've got the mannerisms down. Like, that's great. But she does something else here. She brings like a kind of surprising interiority as, I don't know, Interior, did I say that interiority yeah okay sounds Sorry. good <laughs> interiority um like almost kind of uh I'm gonna get lofty here and say like uh almost kind of a soul she brings uh, a soul out of this character that is so, so iconic and almost overdetermined. And like, there's been media saturation about the royal family. And I don't even like the royal family. I'm not even a fan of Princess Day. And I, God rest her soul, but like, I'm just kind of whatever about it. I'm just kind of over it. Um, but she brought something back um, that made it a really compelling, and touching, and effective portrait of this iconic, larger than life person. So, what can I say? I have to stop hating Kristen Stewart. I have to start being <laughs> like, okay, hats off.
2: Yeah, so, I like. Yeah, I, I like personal shopper personally. I thought the performance yeah. and it was great. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see this. My partner thought yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah,
1: um,
2: so, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah,
1: cool. That's my that's my award. Way to go, Kristen Stewart.
2: A plus. Yeah. All right, Mitch. We're on to your award. Who gets the, it? The J Moore, please. J Moore please. award
0: for best performance. Uh, Does he so deserve I'll... it? I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll start with honorable mentions. Uh, first one I'll just touch on very briefly, uh, which is Nicolas Cage in Pig. Um, I might talk about that a little bit later, but he's great in it. Um, not quite uh, deserving of the the winning of the award, though. Uh, other honorable mention um, is from the movie we, we were all just raving about, uh, which is The Last Duel. Uh, and it's the uh, Matt Damon in the movie. Because I think that he does such a good job playing, for for lack of a better word, and I use this word to describe people often, uh, a wiener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: like, a total wiener. That is, an apt, that is yeah. an apt description of uh, Jacques Le Courgette or whatever. Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> the the Sorry, um, Courgette is a uh, zucchini. I just called him <laughs> Jack Zucchini. He's kind of a zucchini.
0: But uh but yeah, like it the, the story opens from his perspective, and so you see, you know, you know what he thinks of himself, which is you know a little bit more of a, a noble knight and um, character who's deserving of certain things. Um but you do get hints of the that little bit of you know wiener you know a little bit below the surface and then you see the other characters perspectives and you know he's you see him throwing like temper tantrums like a little kid at times and just being sort of a general an ass uh, at times and i think that like the running the full gamut there he he does an excellent job so uh honorable mention for mad damon in the last duel um but i didn't touch upon this specifically uh, this actor because i wanted to talk about him here which is from Zola, my favorite performance of the year is Coleman Domingo, um, who plays... Oh, man, I don't even know the character's name.
1: Uh, oh, the pimp? Yes. Interesting. Uh, I don't know that actor, but I, I also liked that performance. Wow, okay. He.
0: The more that I see him do, the more that I just become sort of fascinated with him because it seems like every year... He's in something, and I'm just like, damn! Like this guy just rocked it. And in in Zola, he's you know he has a, a an odd name that's I don't want to say an odd that's not uh, the appropriate word, but it's he's like, African, an African name that is I think purposely very long and difficult to pronounce because he forces other people to pronounce the the full name and they have difficulty with it. Um, but he he sort of veers in different directions wildly throughout the film um, as sort of this like super cool as like a cucumber guy who's having a good time and smiles and then sort of, you know, at the drop of a hat is menacing and terrifying and you're concerned he may murder you. Um, And there's also (laughs) other elements of his character um, which, which change throughout the film. And I just think he's, so charismatic and so good in in every one of these moments and he makes the film more fun and funny um just by his presence there and again a lot of it's the writing and, and direction and characters playing off of him as well um but i think he's a an actor who deserves a lot of credit and i think that uh, of all the actors who are fantastic in the movie uh i think he stood out and like i said i, just, I loved the movie and i loved him in it as sort of this wild card character who you never know what's coming from him i think uh i think he's excellent
1: here here to coleman domingo yeah
2: also he's in the nick which is a great television show that nobody oh, watched yes, yes. It is. now uh, i
1: know because i knew i recognized him but i forgot to google him yeah amazing Do- show and dr he daniels is great.
2: Yeah. yeah he's also he's in uh candy which uh will not make an appearance on this episode but i still think is worth people's attention you know that's a great pick, Mitch. I'm, I'm super down with that, uh, and now I'm further enticed to seek out Zola.
1: I think you'll love it, Stefan. Knowing what I know about you, it's got yes. a B movie aesthetic, which I know you're very partial to in many ways. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is, I know you like crappy movies, so <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a polite jab, pretty much. No, it's not. It's not a crappy movie, but it does. It does have that B movie aesthetic that that I think you'll really enjoy. It so has
2: Greg... shit taste, but this movie is some shit.
0: Greg, cousin Greg rapping Hannah Montana uh,
2: was one of my oh favorite my moments uh, oh, in, in the movie. Interesting. So okay. you have to watch it. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Jay Moore. My Jay Moore <laughs> award? <laughs> uh, I'll start with my honorable mentions, I suppose. Um, so I'm going to start with Nicole Kidman. As Lucille Ball and being the Ricardos, Juvena, uh, much like your description of Spencer, it is not really a good movie. Would be nowhere mm-hmm. near the top of my list. Uh, I think it's largely a failure to tell
1: an interesting story.
2: Uh, well, with- I should
1: say I did. I don't think Spencer is not a good movie. I just oh, okay. don't think it's one. I, I think it's a fine movie just yeah. to, I don't want to be misquoted here yes. uh I think it's actually like a pretty good movie like I I give it I don't know three and a half out of five stars but okay yeah I didn't want to put it in my in my you know top 10 of the year or whatever anyway okay. please continue
2: no being the Ricardos is also I think I gave it like a three and a half out of five on Letterboxd so this is the, the similar uh review of a film uh it's not it's not bad uh it's not average it's, it's above average uh but there is a uh basically this the story I, I talked about it already on our previous episode but it jumps time so frequently and with little uh tethering to which time the story is being told that you're eventually kind of like curious as to like what's going on and uh why are the characters acting this way to one another it becomes hard to tell what's even going on because it jumps time so frequently. Uh, but being the Ricardo's I didn't enjoy as a movie, but Nicole Kidman's performance as Lucille ball is fantastic. Um, I thought she did a great job. Uh, you know, um, it, it's a shame that so much, uh, I think hate was heaped at her as an initial casting. Uh, and, and while, to be honest, like I would be like initially skeptical as like that, as a casting, uh, it, it was largely dispelled as soon as the movie began. It is just like such a, a great performance, but, uh, it's not good enough to. Also, everybody knows Nicole Kidman's a great actor. Like, there's no sense in like giving that award to her. Um, another honorable mention is Dev Patel in The Green Knight, uh, which has already been mentioned on this podcast. I love the movie. I thought his performance in it was great. I think the uh, narrative of him being a thirst trap uh is a disservice to his acting <laughs> skills. Uh yes, he's a he's a hot body, but uh he can also act. Uh he does a great job. Um and because I, I didn't mention this at the uh the start, but this could this crosses the TV and uh movie uh boundaries. Uh, this this exists in both territories. Uh so I was also considering Melanie Linsky of Yellow Jackets but I decided to give it to another Yellow Jackets actor. And I chose Christina Ricci. Nice. As Misty. Uh, holy shit. What? Uh, first of all, uh, uh, I, I would say, where did she go? But uh, uh, I recently heard that she had only been offered like rom-com roles and she was largely disinterested in acting in those movies. Uh, so it just seems like a, uh, a misuse of christina ricci as an actor in your film that has kind of like caused her to disappear from the the public eye uh you know such a super talented person and her the the character itself is like super odd and it just all works for me i love the show so so much Uh, i watched the season finale so i know that it the the full compartmentalized season 1 of yellow jackets is successful for me as a viewer and i enjoyed it uh yeah a great performance uh, Mitch, you watched the yes. show. You've also watched a few episodes, I believe, correct?
1: I've watched four episodes, and I had to stop because it was too scary. I couldn't <laughs> watch it anymore. I'm not good with some horror stuff and hauntings right. and weird mysteries in the forest. So I I'm, a, I'm a huge baby, so I couldn't watch it anymore. But maybe I'll return. I don't know. It's one of those things where like, sometimes you're too scared, and then a month later, you feel a little more courageous. So we'll see.
2: Yeah, I do have to say, after this season finale, and this isn't giving anything away, the show doesn't explicitly say that there's anything supernatural thus far. It has a uh, an interesting ending that I would love to discuss on another episode that is a spoilery discussion of that season, but I'll 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 I'll, I'll leave that alone for now. Mitch, how are how are you feeling yes. about Christina Ricci? I think it's uh, an excellent
0: pick. So I was talking to you earlier about struggling to who I wanted to pick for my best performance. Um, And you mentioned it could include TV, but just to make it easier for myself, I was like, I'll just include movies just because I'm already struggling uh, enough as it is. (laughs) But this is an excellent pick. And honestly, had I thought of it, I would have included uh, it in my honorable mentions because though I haven't watched the finale yet, um, I've seen every other episode uh, and I really enjoy the show. But I think that uh, she's definitely the the standout uh, character with sort of the most acting to do. She's, you know, a little bit of the quirky, kind of crazy or maybe fully crazy character, but also like, you know, calculating and there are clearly, you know, motives behind everything that she's doing, um, but just knocks it out of the park. She's so much fun to, to watch on the show. Uh, so I think it's a great choice. Um, and yes, happy to see uh, Christina Ricci getting uh, recognized for such
2: an awesome role and
0: and job she's doing
2: amazing all right guys we're now moving on to the most coveted award this one is named after our first ascend to heaven film from our first season and i promised you mitch that oscar isaac would make a return (laughs) (laughs) uh so in honor of ex machina we have the I'm going to tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. Award for best movie of 2021. You bet up. <laughs> Please take this over.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I fully approve of anything that is positive and beloved being named after Oscar Isaac because he's is extremely talented and beloved uh you know i strongly considered naming the last duel as my best movie of the year and and we talked about oh. it enough but i believe that it comes in uh second place to the power of the dog interesting oh, i'm naming the power of the dog my best movie now the power of the dog is a bit of the opposite of what I described earlier about having fun at the movies. You are not having fun. (laughs) It is not fun. Um, it's dark. It's slow. It's subtle. It's nuanced. It's a bit dreary. Uh, it's unclear. It's vague. It's ambiguous. So all of the things that are not fun. Um, but I, I have always been a big Jane Campion fan. I love Benedict Cumberbatch, who is like in a career making performance in this. Jesse mm-hmm. Plemons, also amazing. Kristen Dunst. And I just found it to be one of those films that stays with you long after watching. So it's interesting because I think it's similar to my favorite film of last year, if I recall correctly which was First Cow by Kelly Reichardt, which is also kind of a slow, nuanced, uh, you know, subtle film, but you kind of just find yourself getting lost in thought and thinking about it for hours long after you've seen it. Um, Power of a Dog is is a Western. Um, It's about a pair of brothers who own a ranch and Jesse Plemons, one of the brothers, marries Kristen Dunst, and then the other brother, Benedict Cumberbatch, is this weirdly kind of sociopathic, manipulative, emotional abuser, I would say. He's emotionally abusive. Um, But then there's a whole backstory about him. There's a lot of stuff about masculinity and about, you know, sexuality and about... um, Kristen Dunst's son in the film who is a young man that grows up to have a strange relationship with the Benedict Cumberbatch character. I'm trying really hard to not give away any uh, spoilers, but um, it's such a careful film like it's one of those films that I think you can see that literally every shot and every blocking was measured to a tenth of an inch or something I just I really felt like every single decision made not just technically or you know aesthetically but the performances of the actors the dialogue the script which is very very sparse like I said I just feel like every single decision there's no accidents I feel like every single decision was carefully thought out and placed um, it's like someone who has a minimalist apartment, but you can tell that each little tchotchke and knickknack they have is deliberately placed, you know, on a particular spot on a certain shelf for a reason. Um, and I admire that level of, of craft and of care. Um, and, you know, lest I be making this sound really boring, let me just say that there is a super compelling, surprising ending I think it's a slow, quiet film that kind of builds to this ending that catches you off guard and is a little bit unexpected, and then kind of blows you away a bit um, after after the film ends. So, what else can I say? Um, I think have I have I sold you? Am
2: I are you sold? Tell me a story about Bronco Henry, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... and Bronco Henry is this character who's uh, never. In the film, because he's dead, uh, the character lived in the past, but he's kind of this spectral, haunting figure that kind of hangs over everything that happens and the motivations for the way the characters behave, and a lot of the cowboy ideology, like what does it mean to be a cowboy? What does it make? What does it mean to be a man? What makes you a man in this time and place? And how should or shouldn't you act? And and things like that. So. What can I say? Um, power of the dog for me.
2: All the power yeah. to you for picking the power of the Eggs.
1: dog. Thanks.
2: Yeah, uh, I didn't love this movie, but I acknowledge that it's great. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this... it's not an easy film, I will say. It's yeah. a difficult film. It requires a lot of parsing and a lot of engagement and investment. But I think it's rewarding if you if you can do that work.
2: Yeah, there's a few things that uh Bothered me as like a viewer because the the like you already said the dialogue is so sparse. There, are, like I expect like oh, like if you're gonna have dialogue, it has to be the most important thing in the world. And at the end, there's a bit of an explanation as to what happens to a, a certain character. That mm. I was just like, you're you're offering an expository response mm. to stuff that's already occurred for the viewer that should be you know obvious. That yeah, I see your point a little bit, but I see your it's point. Still a great movie. Uh, I thought of it was, like the acting is fantastic. The photography. It is looks beautiful. Bananas. I'm
1: just, I gotta say my personal inclination towards Western, like desert cactus, sunset mountain landscapes. Like yeah. that's just my bread and butter. I don't know why. If I had to pick one favorite type of lang- landscape in the world for, for its looks, I think I would pick deserts and ranches. Right. Like the Western ranch is a really iconic, beautiful Beautiful setting for me.
2: I agree for sure. Mitch, uh, did you watch The Power of the Dog?
0: I did not. It's it's one on my list of movies to get to. Uh, it's you know a big front runner for a lot of you know awards. Uh, so it's definitely one that uh, has been on my radar, but just uh, haven't gotten around to to checking it out yet. But definitely uh, looking forward to it, especially after hearing Joanna's uh, you know recommendation uh, and description of it. Uh, I got to check it out.
1: And I just want to say, once again, I'll repeat what I said at the beginning of this episode, which is that I really have not seen a lot of non-English language films this year. So I almost feel like there's probably a ton of, ton of amazing stuff out there. Um, people have been rating Drive My Car really yes. highly. Uh, Undine, the new Christian Petzold film, which I haven't seen. So all I want to say is I'm fully aware that I'm being totally Anglo-centric in my, in my picks this year. And maybe maybe we should have another episode and talk about... Yeah, I films. agree. But, uh, yeah. Just, just to give a little asterisk to my yeah. picks there.
2: Yeah, we're we're on the same boat with that as well. Like, there's a slew of movies that I haven't watched, yeah. all of which you've named. So we're yeah. we're we exist in the same boat. We're picking from the fellow passengers we have with us right now. Um. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, I, I'm super glad you picked that. Um. I'm I'm curious though, Mitch. Yes. You're gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, aren't you? damn right uh, <laughs> so uh, two honorable
0: mentions um one i mentioned for performance uh, which was nicolas cage but i think pig is an excellent movie um sort of similar to what uh, you were saying Ivan about uh the power of the dog it's not a uh, a fun movie necessarily um but but really compelling really great performances uh it's sort of a weird world that they've created uh in this story that's being told about Nicolas Cage having his truffle pig stolen, um, which is, you know, the, the setup is almost like a, a John wick where, you know, someone comes and, you know, animal gets taken or, or killed. And then he's, you know, got a track down who did it. Um, pig. <laughs> yeah, very much the opposite uh, in tone of, of John wick, a uh, really good movie. Uh, other honorable mention, um, which I feel like I, I need to mention because I I never talk really about Marvel movies they're generally not really my thing they're fine sort of I'm a bit of a snob so it, to me is you know it's popcorn movies but you know that's about it but Spider-Man No Way Home was a ton of fun a great movie theater going experience especially if you know I think you're someone sort of as in our age group, who's seen all the Spider-Man movies and there's that, you know, huge nostalgia factor coming into play. Um, But just a a really good time. Marvel knows what they're doing in terms of, you know, making these movies. They churn them out. Like, you know, there's no tomorrow. Um, But this one I think was, was better than most. uh, Mm -hmm. So definitely worth watching. uh, Especially if you're a Marvel person, you probably already saw it. But uh, but yeah, I thought it, it was worth mentioning, but my, what uh, the tear up the fucking dance floor award goes to the movie that you can see is my name here, which we've talked about multiple times. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, but it's the Danish film riders of justice starring Mads Mikkelsen. I watched this movie twice uh, within the span of a couple of months earlier this year. um, And it is fantastic. And it's, it's my favorite. It's not going to be everybody's favorite, But it's just, it's everything that I want in a movie or I would want to make in a movie myself. It's, it's funny, but it's dark and it's, you know, it's serious and it deals with, you know, grief and and anger, but it takes some interesting turns. It's a revenge movie, but not really a revenge movie. There's, it's, it's a lot smarter than I think you, you think it's going to be based on sort of the, the premise, which. You know, super quick, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's wife is on a train and the train sort of derails or has an accident, uh, like a subway uh, car, uh, and his wife is is killed. Uh, and he comes to find out that uh, it's probably not just an accident, that this leader of a, a, ga- a biker gang or a guy, a member of a biker gang, was who was on this train, was planning on testifying against the biker gang. So maybe his wife was killed intentionally as a result of this you know uh, person being dispatched uh but again, so much more to it than just a, a straight up revenge movie. Maz Mickelson. we've talked about him. He was on my list last year with another round, another amazing film. Uh, he's brilliant in this movie, just a really great movie. If we haven't talked about it enough on this show, uh well, here it is watch it just we'll shut up about it forever after this one but go watch this movie it is excellent
1: i so love we've... this ringing endorsement your enthusiasm is really like coming through here <laughs> so no i'm so i'm I'm serious i'm sold and and i really trust mitch's recommendations so um it's going on my list for sure
2: this movie is very good and, and mads mickelson hot piece of man candy guys
1: <laughs> love yes. him love mads love, love, love the him mads. so much yeah big fan of the mads He's
2: so good He's so good. I think, uh, so Mitch recommended this movie a long time ago and I finally watched it, uh, two months ago or so, maybe, maybe a month ago. I don't even know when I watched this, but it was great. I like this movie deals with grief, but it's in dour and doesn't wallow in like, just like, wah, wah, like it grapples with it in a very realistic fashion. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful movie and, Its name is terrible. Move past it. Watch this movie. Enjoy it because it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can't wait. Excited.
2: Yeah, I'm super. I'm super stoked.
0: Um, And and Stefan, who's your gonna tear up the fucking dance floor? Check this out,
2: dude. Award going to the longest award. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this is the last one I I did, and I had such a hard time finding like what it should (laughs) be. And I just like this is what it was. Uh, Next year, I'll try to do a better job of naming these categories. But uh, at first, I was thinking that new Christmas favorite, The Green Knight, might be my favorite movie of this year. I also took into account The Last Duel, but ultimately, that was probably best suited to be my most surprising film of 2021. So I went with uh, a movie that I've talked about on this podcast before and uh, loved dearly, and should be no surprise to most people, and that is *Censor*. I knew it. I would have you, guessed it. This <laughs> is <it's> the most <laughs> obvious pick that I could have made. Uh, the reality is, and this isn't a, a slight at the movie at all. It's just like there has been much that has resonated with me as a viewer. This year. This is probably the most uh, successful movie to do that. This is directed by Prano Bailey Bond and uh, stars Naeem Algar as Enid, who plays a uh, a film censor who becomes obsessed with a particular movie that contains scenes reminiscent of a traumatic event from her childhood. I, I like, huh. This movie is so good. Um, uh, the best way that I could describe it and would require you to have seen both of these movies is that it is like Barbarian Sound Studio meets saint maud and they're slammed together um okay um i love both of those movies mitch i know you're not a huge fan of saint maud and i don't think that uh, i'm i'm tempted to make censor a movie for our podcast because i'm so well, yeah. last
0: time we talked about it you told yeah. me not to watch it because uh you might make it to, for one of the episodes so i have not watched this movie intentionally yeah i'm I, very
1: interested i'm very yeah. interested
2: it's good it's not it's not strictly horror um I, I i don't even find it scary to be honest uh it's it's more of um oh uh this is an, an unfortunate thing but the what's the Rowan polanski movie where the uh, the unraveling character in it um oh, God damn it. what's what's it called God, Do you, i don't remember know you're not giving me much here what <laughs> i know Roman uh Boynton. repulsion repulsion here we go repulsion oh, okay uh, it, it, it feels like it, it could exist in a, you know, w- within that context of, of movie. It's just like very, very, I love an oddball character and the main character, Enid, is very much like that. She's a puritanical film censor who is trying to chop out the the more disgusting or repulsive uh, moments from movies uh, and really believes that she's saving society in that uh, with with that act and and that to me is like so enjoyable because it's it's such a weird odd way to 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 view your job as like a film censor there, there, there's something that's so enticing about that to me as a viewer and i love this movie i think it's great um i think vinegar syndrome just put out an amazing blu-ray which i purchased and it's like one of the nicest things that one of the nicest movies i own uh as a collector of physical media um, but yeah, that, that's that's my winner, guys, for the year. I'm, I'm I love it. It's great. Cool. Well, I'm not uh, gonna watch it
0: until you tell me I'm allowed to.
2: Yeah, I, I promise it'll be soon. Like, well, maybe it'll be an episode this year. It'll be uh, a season three. Maybe may, maybe even a season opener. How about that? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how do you guys feel about moving into the darker territory of this episode? Let's do it.
1: I mean. If you want me to get negative and be a hater and uh, throw some shade, I am very excited about that. I feel
2: like we're going to hate on the same thing, Yvanna. And I'm very excited. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to chat about a few things we didn't like from this year or the past year, I suppose. Um, So because of Mitch's disdain for Stephen Lack's performance in Scanners, I am proud (laughs) to present the Stephen Lacking Award for Most Disappointing Performance, (laughs) Yvanna. Perfect. Please go. (laughs)
1: Okay, I gotta admit, I was a little cheesy and tried to find a loophole here. Sometimes I just hate a particular actor because I think that they are a talentless hack who doesn't deserve any attention. Uh, That person for me is Gal Gadot. I know a lot of people feel the way that I feel. Um, I just think she is completely wooden and I I think she got famous because she's super hot. So um, I tried really hard to think of a performance that she was in this year that was bad and all i could come up with was the four hour Zack snyder cut of (laughs) justice league i don't know guys i'm really stretching i just want to hate on gal is that bad
0: no (laughs) no hate away so i guess technically the the original
1: film was like two years ago but then the just the four hour cut came out this year so whatever i'm I'm counting it just give it to me okay you have it um I don't really have anything to say because it's not the performance in this specific film. It's just her. She's just not good at acting. And I don't understand how she keeps getting cast in stuff. Like it's one thing to be hot, but there's tons of hot people in the world. They're usually called models. Like I don't understand how people seem to think that she can perform as a fictional character in narrative cinema. It's beyond me. So I think I'm just enjoying hating on her. Is that fair? Can I? This be is it? all fair. Yeah. This, this I'm is, just
2: digging. I'm just
1: finding great pleasure in hating on her. I got to tell you, I saw a tweet the other day, and I wish I could credit the person who wrote it, but I don't remember who it was. That, you know, there's all this um, debate about um, raising the minimum wage and. Uh, this notion of unskilled labor, people who work in fast food restaurants or whatever. And some people say there's no such thing as unskilled labor because everything requires skill and work and labor, which I agree with. And somebody tweeted, ah, the only unskilled labor is Calgado. <laughs> 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 oh it's so good anyways <laughs> i wish i could provide credit to whoever wrote that tweet but that one really got me oh she's just terrible when i see yeah. her on screen i'm just like what are you doing here go go back to a perfume ad in vogue magazine that's where you belong yeah. so
0: well, yeah and didn't she release end. that uh, like imagine video as well oh yeah game, like,
1: terrible like just singing. terrible
0: like,
1: just if terrible. that doesn't
2: make you hate somebody i don't know what just
1: will. just yeah so a thank you for indulging me. I have a question for both of you. Yes.
2: What do you feel? How do you feel about the Beatles?
1: Just generally. Oh, that's a big question. Um, All right, you can answer with like I like them or <laughs> dislike them. Let's just move past it. Just i just I like the Beatles. I'm not a Beatles like humongous enthusiast, but I I quite like them. I, I think that they are a huge part of music history, and I like a lot of their songs. Okay. Does that answer?
0: Yeah, your I, yeah let's they just move, move past pretty, it. I'm pretty, pretty much the uh... <laughs> <laughs> the exact same answer why do you hate the beatles stuff i what regret bringing this up
2: guys i regret it <laughs> i don't hate the beatles i just like a, I, a lot of the music i find obnoxious uh, i, I yeah. will lie some beatles yeah. songs i'm like could take it or leave it whatever yeah anyways imagine is um, among the catalog of subpar okay. songs it. that are overlauded. anyways gotcha Mitch, does that upset you as a Beatles fan?
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm certainly not a, a Beatles stan by any means. I, again, I I like the Beatles. and But, you know, I feel like I went through a Beatles phase when I sort of was listening to music mm. on my own and listened to plenty of Beatles songs. And now I don't listen to really any Beatles songs. Like, and I yeah. don't listen to the radio. So it's not as though they come on and I'm like, oh yeah, this is nice. Uh, it just generally doesn't happen. So I like their songs, but
2: I don't really listen to them at this point. Yeah. In my life, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very sorry I brought that up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. all right. Should we I, move I, on to my Stephen Lacking Yes, uh, I love the award. hate. Keep going. Bring that negative energy. All right, I'm gonna Bring <laughs> that
0: negative energy with my honorable mention for the Stephen Lacking uh, Award for Worst Performance of the Year. Um, the first honorable mention is Gail Garcia Bernal in M. Night Shyamalan's Old... Ah. Uh, which is a, a terrible movie. Uh, and <laughs> he is, I, I think, generally a good actor, but this is just not a good performance. And I picked him because he's more of one of the leads in the movie. Um, I think I want to say his name is like Ken Lung or somebody who's also in the movie, who is just terrible as well. Uh, but this smaller you know, role, so I gave it to Gail Garcia Bernal. But the, I have to attribute it to the script um, and the direction of M. Night Shyamalan, like I said, because I know that Gail Garcia Bernal can do good work. Uh, but here it is just wooden and and bad. And most of the performances in this movie are just terrible and don't really make any sense. Um, I talked about it on the show before, but yeah, just the, some of the line readings, it amazes me that they were left in the movie or that, you know, that was decided was the best take because it is just mind blowing, um, how, how bad it is, or like, it seems like a robot is saying it and the, the twist isn't that they're robots, so it doesn't work. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, my winner for worst performance, uh, Stephen Lacking award for worst performance of the year. Uh, goes to uh, maybe the worst movie of the year, which is Spiral from the book of Saw, and it's Chris Rock as a detective, and it is just terrible.
1: What in the? <laughs> it, it's, I, it...
0: Wow, <laughs> I don't understand why Chris Rock fought so hard. Like it sounds like, from all accounts, that he really wanted to like get this movie made so he could play this detective in the world of Saw and Jigsaw. Uh, But he is just not believable at all as this like serious sort of, you know, grim detective it's laughable watching him throughout this movie and the movie is just terrible as well one of the worst movies uh, i saw last year and one of the worst performances uh, i've seen in a good long while not sure what chris rock was thinking and i don't expect a ton from chris rock because he's a stand-up comedian and i don't know that i've ever seen a movie where you know he really knocked it out of the park maybe pootie tang but uh (laughs) but this one is just yeah it, it is it is awful i can't I couldn't deal with it. Watching the movie, I was laughing and just rolling my eyes. Did you watch yeah. this
2: movie? You told me not to specifically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You aggressively petitioned me to not watch this movie. Is, and I was like, I want to watch yeah. something dumb, Mitch. And you're like, don't, don't. It's not good.
0: <laughs> it's not a fun, bad movie. That's the thing. It's like it's not a fun movie where you can laugh at it like throughout and just be like, oh, this is so stupid. It just makes you angry because like it wants to be so like serious. Uh and it is just yeah, it's not good at all. So don't watch this
2: movie. Don't watch Chris Rock doing this performance. Uh terrible for the terrible warning. stuff. It has a uh a terrible trailer. Like, I almost want to play it and like recite the lines back to you. Like, it has like the most cliched, like, detective and a thriller lines. Like, they're written by like a seventeen-year-old boy who's like, "This is how detectives talk." Uh, based on me watching Seven. Uh, well, that's that the thing. Alone. It's like somebody watched
0: Seven one time and yeah. thought, "Well, you know, I this is. I am just gonna write a detective movie, and it's gonna be like that." Except, no, it's not even close. And yeah so bad so bad and i I also just hate the saw franchise in general so that doesn't help anything but i was curious sometimes i just throw on movies that don't require as much brain power uh, and this was one of them and yeah it, uh, it just continued my distaste for saw and that franchise as a whole
2: yeah, we're on the same pursuit of finding brainless entertainment. So, uh you don't have to feel <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> I was embarrassed for Chris Rock, Stephen. That's who I was embarrassed. For. Yeah, of course. Um I I again, you kind of make me want to watch it out of curiosity. <laughs> like just like, like 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 passing a car crash or something like that where I
1: have to like look at it um that's very you stefan i feel like when someone tells you a movie is terrible you're like i have to see it
2: <laughs> yeah i'm like how could this fail so miserably it's very um, on
1: brand for you
2: yeah i have bad taste guys no it's um, great that's
1: what we love about you but you know what
2: <sighs> my taste isn't as bad as the performances that i want to talk about right now <laughs> um so uh yovana you'd mentioned that Galgado had has just like a wooden uh you know performance Completely across the
1: talentless board. just yes. unbelievably nothing a de- devoid of con- a person devoid of content really
2: okay um my honorable mention i would say exists in the same pool of dead-eyed shark-eyed persons who can you know just just acts by virtue of you know maybe a name alone or the, the credentials that they propose but uh dakota johnson in the lost daughter uh like she still can not act. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's my honorable mention. She still can act. Uh, I didn't enjoy the movie very much. Um, I wanted to feel enjoy that. it more. Yeah, Olivia, Olivia I don't Coleman. Think she great. Act either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the movie overall, I didn't really enjoy. Her performance was, you know, atrocious. I feel like she was just playing the same character she plays in every other movie. Uh, you know, slight variation aside, still largely the same performance, and I find that infuriating and frustrating uh but i'm gonna give
0: my uh can my I pause you for one second i wanted yes. to, to ask you about this movie because it sounds yes. like both of you guys have watched it i have not watched it and it's one that's on my i list. haven't the watched thing- it no i just okay. think
1: dakota johnson is a terrible actor in general but but i haven't watched this one
0: yeah i, I don't don't think i hate her as much as uh, as you guys do but certainly can understand the sort of one note performance uh, that she gives and uh, everything um but Stefan, this movie's not really worth watching or
2: bump it lower to my list of things to get to you it sounds like is that bump it lower but watch it i think is what what i would lend at uh because you might actually enjoy it. it it's one of those uh very understated movies where it's a character observing another character for extended periods of time uh unfortunately for me she is observing dakota johnson <laughs> and i'm just like man this is a, a- abysmal uh, there are certain good moments. I, I, again, I really do love Olivia Coleman's performance. She delivers one of the best lines, um, which I won't spoil here. But you know, if you do watch it, we can talk about it down the road. Uh, you can you can prompt me, and I will I will promptly respond with the uh, corresponding line because I won't forget it. <laughs> All right uh but yeah we can we, we, we can talk about it so watch it when you feel like watching that style of movie and i will happily discuss it but uh like you then i'm gonna cheat here and i'm gonna say the entire cast of malignant <laughs> but if okay. I have to pick, yeah, this movie is fucking trash guys Uh, I find it annoying that people are trying to reclaim it as some kind of good, bad movie. Uh, You people are fucking stupid. Uh, I can't tolerate that at all. Uh, But however, if I do have to pick one person, we're going to go with Annabelle Wallace, uh, who treats the script as if she's like a high school student reciting some old English Shakespeare that she doesn't understand. Uh, It is uh, an abysmal, dour, stupid experience uh, and I hated every minute of it. Uh, and if somebody says that they enjoyed it, it is largely a uh, uh, a red flag for me to discount with their opinions in the future. That's how much I hated this movie.
0: I also did not like this movie, yeah. Stephen. You told me you hated it, and then I watched it, and I did not enjoy it. But yeah, in particular, the performances are just atrocious. Uh, and this movie, the one thing that blows my mind is, they had a lot of money to make this movie. This isn't yeah. a, a one million dollar like low budget horror flick where you know you're hiring the best you can. It's I think uh, like a forty million dollar budget or something. It's so bananas. How yeah. about hire some actors who can act? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's where, it's crazy. And where did you know, the money this, go? I, I don't know. <laughs> to the stupid Matrix style like fight sequence Catering. that happens oh, in it? God, I don't know. I'm it's just so weird. angry. I'm so angry. I don't understand guys. I'm being the, hot people enjoy this movie and it's, Oh, it's a, it's a good, bad movie, or it wasn't intentionally like cheesy and stupid, but it just like, I couldn't help but feeling that this movie as much as it may be intentional is stupid. And I'm not having a fun time. Like I want to have fun watching a stupid movie and this movie's not fun.
2: And and you know what the, again, and I said this in our previous episode, uh, if you're intentionally making camp uh, you're failing, like straight up like that that's the lowest value of camp Uh, if you're if you're you're trying to make a bad movie like you failed immediately right off the bat that's not enjoyable the 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 enjoyment is from somebody who's like earnestly trying to make something that that they enjoy and it just fails miserably um you know like the it, it just represents a fundamental misunderstanding of of you know uh, a good bad movie and it's frustrating and, and i hate it so much um but not as much as uh my most hated film of 2021 so how about you how will we move on how's it sound guys let's, <laughs> let's start
1: hating even more
2: <laughs> we're gonna we're really digging into our hate now guys let's so. let's turn the hate up to 11 i have to ask you what is the most hated film that we've watched for this podcast that i've put you through
1: Oh, I think it was that softcore porn that I made us watch. <laughs> was
2: it Express. not?
1: It is, It is in fact,
2: Malibu Express. Yeah, so I thought so. I am honored to present the June Knockers Award for most disappointing <laughs> movie. Did you
0: spell it with two H's uh, or however the stupid uh, joke was in the movie? Oh, what a fucking terrible movie, guys.
2: I'm so <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh,
0: I have a better picture. Sorry, this uh, is the award for the movie with most the most breasts. Is that uh, the June
2: knockers? I, I mean, if if you have a disappointing movie that has a lot of breasts. <laughs> like, have at it. Oh, actually, you know what? I guess kind of, you know, the movie that I, I picked does have a lot of breasts. Oh uh, um, no, I definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to reserve my my thoughts until uh, it's my pick. But for now, it is Yuvanna's pick. So which movie did you hate the most?
1: Well, you know, you did frame the award as most disappointing. So I wouldn't say it's the movie I hate the most. I would say it's the movie that had the biggest difference between my expectations of it and my experience of watching it. And that movie was Titan. And I feel like you're going to pick it too, (laughs) Stefan. This movie sucks. It sucks. This movie sucks. Julia Ducarno's Titan was given the Palm Door at Cannes. And you know, I'm not the type of person who constantly puts a large amount of weight behind large scale global institutional awards such as the Oscars or the Palme d'Or or whatever, because it's always just a bunch of rich people who think they're all fancy giving awards to their friends or things that are groundbreaking in their eyes that, you know, other people don't necessarily see or agree with. So the fact that I got the Palme d'Or is not like a ringing endorsement for me because I take those kinds of awards with a grain of salt, but it's something it's a jury of international film industry expertise uh, saying we're going to give the top award of this annual large-scale global festival to this to this film so I was like okay I'll watch it obviously it is where do I start it's a body horror film Uh, it's I don't know man (laughs) it's completely pointless in my mind like i found it i actually found it tedious for a film with so much violence and sexiness and excitement and uh weirdness and shock value it's incredibly tedious i almost found it difficult to pay attention to because i was like where is this going we literally have a protagonist who appears to be a sociopath so i'm not sure how i'm supposed to in any way identify not that protagonists have to be likable because obviously they don't i love for example Kendall Roy is not likable. And yet no. I enjoy watching him on succession, but this protagonist is just like a shell of a person. Like, are you even a human being? She's, she's a serial killer. I'm not spoiling anything. Cause you're revealed that in the first 20 minutes of the film. Um, So I just found it difficult to even pay attention or care. And then a lot of the twists and turns were just like kind of arbitrary in my mind. It was like somebody was just picking little pieces of paper out of a hat and being like, oh, we'll do we'll make the script do this now for no reason. Like just it was just a meandering, pointless, vapid kind of um, self inflated piece of work that I thought was utterly, I don't know, useless to me in any way whatsoever the end <laughs> yeah, like uh, how does that how shit. does that strike you yeah it's really dumb it's just dumb
2: yeah, this movie is stupid um i hated it so much mitch can I jump the key and just hate on this fucking movie for us <laughs> yeah seconds? absolutely please hate away.
1: please join oh, me join
2: me join me in the hating hut all right, so uh, first of all, the fact that it won the Palm d'Or, uh, Tree is of weird. Life won the Palm d'Or, So who gives a shit about the Palm d'Or Is what I'm saying. Yeah, is yeah. fucking dog shit. <laughs> well, this the, movie... look,
1: the Palm d'Or is hit or miss. Same with the Best Picture Oscar. There's right, been right, right, years right, right, where right. the Best Picture Oscar really was the Best Picture, and then there's been other years where you're like, <clears throat> Are you people out Crash. to lunch? Like Crash. exactly right. Like you know, so so these awards kind of mean nothing, and yet yeah. they mean something. Like it's it's you know.
2: yeah Yeah. this this movie is like like i don't understand how anybody uh, mitch i I know it gets a a subtle thumbs up from you which to me is like bananas because i think you'd (laughs) you'd be the most out person of of the three of us i think Uh, my sorry i'll let you finish your thought and then i can no no no, yeah uh uh, i'm no i'm curious i want to know because again this is this is so out of character for you that i yeah i mean i I think that I totally understand the
0: there doesn't seem to be any point to this movie uh, (laughs) argument because I I couldn't tell you what the point of the movie was. I think the the very mild thumbs up or just I didn't hate this movie, um, I actually didn't find it tedious to watch. And I think that's why I was like, okay, like I don't hate this. I don't know what the point of it is. But I found it watchable the whole time. Like I was always like, what the fuck is going to happen next in this movie? Because she's
1: right, right.
0: murdering people and she's, and some of the stuff was difficult to watch. Like when she's biting oh, the girl's yeah. nipple and I'm like, Let's just stop it. I don't want to see this. Um, and she has sex with a car and later on
2: a fucking By the way, fire truck. fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. All right. so all right I, I, i'm gonna jump in one more time yeah i promise Go for it. i'm not gonna steamroll but uh, i'm gonna try not to so uh mitch and i talked about this on our last episode um and i i had so many questions like based on uh the conceit of like uh you have a woman having sex with a car and then a car baby and and what what does that look like so a lot of like my misgivings uh, occur from like the the brainstorming of what that looks like. How does a director visualize those things? Uh And they're all frighteningly boring and and, and visually uninteresting. Yeah. It is like the baby itself looks so stupid. It's like a, a little mm-hmm. baby with some like little titanium like thing metal, yeah. <laughs> glued onto it. It's like, yeah. holy shit, man, you put no thought into this whatsoever. Uh, Do you prefer the, seen in what the fuck is that movie
0: uh i think it's a ridley scott movie uh where cameron diaz has sex with the car uh the windshield of a car was that more when what you movie picture is that oh with? you're thinking of uh the the, ca- the counselor the counselor yes uh, where she spreads her
2: legs and has sex with the windshield of the car so i have to uh, say I I, <laughs> I I i am i am uh in, in university when i was going uh getting a degree in health sciences we watched a uh an A&E episode of you know the that show that's dedicated to people who have like otter fixations um like the people who who eat like drywall my wall. strange addiction yeah my
1: strange addiction yes, yeah that's
2: the show so we watched one on somebody who had an affair with a car and i imagine the the movie that i imagined in my head was like it it's 75% about a serial killer then it's 25% about somebody who develops a relationship with a vehicle then has a car baby towards the tail end of that movie. That's the movie that existed in my head. And maybe that's a fault of my expectations for the movie. But man, it is fucking terrible. Like I, 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 am I'm, I'm at a loss for words for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I turned this movie off after 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I rented this
1: yeah same i paid money for it and then i I turned it off about two thirds of the way through you're a hero for making it that far
2: mitch you're Eh, you're a legend
1: for watching the whole
2: thing yeah mitch is like wow man i am in awe of your skill and ability (laughs) well
1: one of the beauties of having opinions is that we can agree to disagree gentlemen and i mean i
0: think that your opinions are perfectly valid and uh, i'm surprised that 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 would typically if be my opinion of this type of movie and i don't know why i just like i said i found it watchable i was never bored or finding it dull it sort of kept I mean, me guessing as to what the fuck was happening in this movie and by the end i was like okay like i guess that was something uh again which is why it's like i didn't love it and i will never watch it again uh, but i didn't hate my time with it either
1: yeah i you know i also know people who enjoyed this film obviously the palm door jury voted for it so i i guess if if something if we could say something about it we could say it's divisive because some people see something in it or enjoy it or find it compelling or at the very least interesting enough to sit there and watch um but uh, but some people really don't yeah. chief among them me and stefan I
2: guess. <laughs> for real uh yeah. before we jump to mitch i have a, a few honorable mentions that i just wanted to quickly heap a little love at um Obviously, Malignant is a piece of shit movie. Uh, don't watch it. Don't give it money. Uh, that's on the list. Uh, Last night in Soho was also a very disappointing uh, adventure in pretty ho hum, you know, filmmaking. Also, didn't really enjoy *Dune*. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna demote its rating on my Letterbox. I'm gonna. Give I was it gonna, gonna diff- say you gave it three and a half stars, and it's one it, of the most
0: disappointing movies of the year.
2: No, it's gonna go lower. It, it's a really. I don't know. I I think I've I uh, Dene Villeneuve is not a filmmaker for me anymore. Uh uh-huh. I think he makes visually compelling movies that are v- like largely devoid of any kind of personality and they're pretty clinical uh expeditions into filmmaking. Um so huh. those, those I, I I things. disagree,
0: I think. We've we've talked before about, you know, filmmakers who aren't for us and Edgar Wright being one of them uh yeah. the of last night in Soho. But I am I'm, I'm a Denis Villeneuve Fan for sure. I I I I don't know how you feel about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's super long, but I liked it. I know you don't like Arrival. I really liked Arrival. I liked Dune. I don't love Dune. I told you I think it should be should have been a you know ten part HBO series. Um, but uh, but I enjoyed the movie. So yeah,
2: I like the politics. Like the 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 first forty five minutes or an hour of the film, I was I was on board with the uh the atreides being forced to go to arrakis um but then as soon as uh they talk about sand power i'm like fully fucking out i'm like holy shit man this is not for me you just hate sand eh uh I don't know. so i think the problem is that like it, it obviously arrakis is meant to be like Iraq, and it's like uh you have a white savior going to like the middle east i'm just like this is like like a mo- a book that maybe should not be adapted anymore uh, uh, yeah i don't know I, it's just not for me um i just i did like and it exists in like the uh like star wars popularized a lot of the themes that exist within that and i can't stand star wars and i and i think that that now negatively impacts dune unfortunately so it's uh i don't know it, it's just not for me i don't enjoy it guys funny. yeah um but it it visually looks beautiful i think it's great all the visual effects in it are great the performances are all good nobody's bad um uh Scarsgard as the uh the heart is is like a great casting he's haunting when he's like gliding through the air is good but still like a disappointing movie for me i i wanted to like it more than i did but um uh it's not to say it's like the mo- the least enjoyed movie of the year much like you had said it's just like i had these expectations going into it that right. weren't met by like the viewing experience obviously dune is better than malignant i'm not saying these two <laughs> <laughs> exist in like the on the same level of viewership but you know anyways why don't we go to you to mitch tell, tell us what you sure. don't like this year yeah happy to Uh,
0: honorable mention goes to a film that I think that we both watched. Um, uh, But uh, particularly disappointing because I was a big fan of the Danish version of this movie and I do this job. And so I was excited to see the American (laughs) remake of the guilty uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal playing the nine one one call taker. Uh, But yeah, it was, it was not good. Uh, And like I said, the Danish movie, I really liked there were some, subtle changes that were made to this one which um you wouldn't think would have a major impact on it but they do um and and just again speaking as someone who does this job some of the stuff in it was just like laughable as far as how he handles his job or you know the decisions that he's making and the fact that nobody is paying attention to what he's doing he should be uh, fired man he's like on a fucking you know solo mission running into another room to take calls and to try and solve this crime like you know there are certainly are aspects of it that that ring a little bit true but like the very beginning of the movie she calls in and she's like clearly in distress and said like, it sounds like someone who's about to kill themselves. And immediately he's like, ah, fuck you. Like, I don't want to talk to you. And then like, she says something else. And then he's like, oh, maybe I'm not going to hang up on you. Wow. Uh, and, like Bill Burr calls in as one of those like people. And it sounds like there's like a bar fight going on or something. And he's just like, basically without saying, fuck you. It's just like, ah, fuck you. And hangs up the phone on them. And it's like, these are all situations where these are, high like for at least us high priority in progress things that require the most amount of attention where like if there's like an assault in progress that's happening where there's a bar fight people are currently being <laughs> assaulted that's like the high priority shit we're gonna fly there as soon as we can get there you're not hanging up the phone because oh fuck you and your dumb bar fight like you, you know get along stop drinking like i think he literally tells someone to like stop drinking or something like that um, and we certainly get dumb calls, uh, you know, that are a waste of time a lot of times, uh, and you don't want to deal with people, but just the way that it was handled in this movie, like he, he's playing a character who was a, a was an officer and has now been demoted after like a questionable, you know, shooting, uh, to being a, a call taker, uh, taking 911 calls, which, but how that works, uh, I don't understand but uh he's doing this job and he's terrible at it and like i said like you said a lot of the things he's doing just seem like they sh- you, know, you should be fired you should not be allowed to do this job if this is how you're handling it uh, so it's just a little bit laughable and like i said some subtle changes that they made from the other one just made it a less enjoyable experience and so was disappointed because you know it's a it's an interesting job and i like talking about it and i was curious because there's not a ton of movies that sort of focus on the 911 call taker is it's usually the cops themselves or detectives, whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, like, you know, people can see this and I can talk to them about my job and then watch them. Like, this is fucking dumb. All right, so, <laughs> and that's just the honorable mention. So I'm going to get to my. my the movie is terrible, I have to say, also. Yeah, it is disappointing. Watch yeah. the Danish version, though, if you are at all interested. I, it's very similar to this movie. So if the conceit that it all takes place in the call center, is a problem for you then don't bother but if that's okay mm. and there's other things then then give it a chance because i did really like it uh, but my award i don't remember what this most oh malibu express or was that it's, the, it's the june knockers <laughs> award? the june <for> knockers <laughs> award uh goes to wes anderson's the french dispatch well yeah i found to be extremely disappointing uh, and not because I love everything Wes Anderson. I'm a big fan of Grand Budapest Hotel and I enjoyed Bottle Rocket and, and some of his other movies. Um, but, you know, I was I was hopeful for this, had high hopes, good actors in it, but I just found it to be a uh, slog and the structure I found to be terrible. And it's it's not good. It's not funny. It's not enjoyable. It seems like, Wes Anderson is giving you as much Wes Anderson as possible. Like it just feels like there are shots that are sort of directly taken from his other movies and the structure is so that they set up so that you don't actually come to care about any of the characters or have any sort of investment. Like it's three, I think three separate stories that are being told all for this uh, magazine, the French dispatch. So you get the first story, and then that story's done. And then he's moving on to the second story. None of the stories are all that interesting in my mind. None of them were that funny. Like I said, it felt like Wes Anderson, like a greatest hits of Wes Anderson, but in the worst possible way. Didn't enjoy it. Other people in the theater were laughing at things and I was just sitting there and it was making me even more annoyed because I just wanted to think, "That's not funny, stop laughing. Nothing is happening that is humorous here. Why are you laughing at this movie? um so yeah it, that was the the biggest disappointment and i watched it in a packed theater um you know when they when they opened up but yeah, i really didn't like that movie at
2: all uh, i think it's a big waste of time i am stoked that that is the pick good uh, to know
1: yeah i haven't seen it but i'm not a big wes anderson fan uh i mean I've, I've liked a couple of his films but good to know that i will not spend my time and energy in this particular one yeah it's not oh, yeah one.
2: I have zero interest in watching the uh, Wes Anderson or Moros of like his head up his ass. uh, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I do not care. So I will not seek it out. That's good to know. But uh, that concludes our best and worst of 2021. Uh, I'd like to thank both of you for contributing awards uh, to, you know, Angus the dog, June knockers, (laughs) Dick Durkin. (laughs) I, among others, tearing up the dance floor and such. Um, our next film proper is going to be Miami Connection, which will not be a repeat of Malibu Express. It will just be pure fun. And I think we all need that right now. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to take a break from our regularly scheduled programming and put Calvair on the back burner yet again. Um, Yvanna, uh, you're... Obviously more than welcome to join if you're able to do so. I think I
1: can do it if my little baby cooperates, which she has been tonight. She's been with her dad for a couple hours while I talked to you guys and obviously, you know, he's an amazing dad and a great caretaker, but sometimes babies freak out and just need their moms. They really they really, <laughs> they really uh, have a total meltdown and can only be comforted by mom, but tonight she was good, so if I can join you again next time that'd be great done deal we'll
2: we'll work around schedules i'm pretty you know i i have a weird schedule so i'm pretty good most evenings so we can make it work cool um yeah i'm excited to talk about that movie uh mitch i hope you hate it uh but
1: it's still fun (laughs) uh i don't know uh why don't we say goodbye how about that Sounds right. good. Great to hear your top picks of 2021 and yes, your well. bottom picks as well, guys. Yes. Bye. Bye. All right. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.